BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Only on Hulu. Friday. Look at us. All together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! Shots! This Friday. He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Who does that? Vacation Friends 2. Rated R. Streaming only on Hulu. Friday. What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez, and today I'm joined by my guy, Anthony Perry. Anthony, how you doing? Dude, what's going on? That audio gets me so fucking pumped up. I hear it in the music. I'm like, let's go, Niners time. Let's get it. I'm a little biased, but I, I can't help but think that we have one of the best I intros so. out there. <laughs> um, if you guys are tuning in on Twitter, head over to YouTube.com slash 49ers Hive. Join from there so we can see and interact with your comments. We're not ignoring you. We just can't see anything from Twitter. So YouTube.com slash 49ers Hive. Go there. Share your thoughts. We want to hear them as we break down this 49ers-Dolphins matchup. It's going to be a crazy one, Anthony. Clearly Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel. There's all these storylines. Former 49ers running backs talking shit. Possibly not. I don't know. However you want to take it. What's your overview kind of? You know, break it down to me in a couple sentences. Main takeaway for this game. You know, I want to say it's a bit of respect, like respectful gamesmanship, because I mean, you see all the comparisons between uh, mentor and master, uh, Luke versus An, or was it? Yeah, Luke versus Anakin, right? Or Obi Wan versus Anakin, like those kind of comparisons. Obviously, Shanahan and McDaniel being the two X factors in terms of coaching, and that's kind of the thing. What makes this really unique is that we don't really see this happen too often where you have two coaches, one mentor, one master, who are both just having great seasons go against each other. You see, for example, like the Bill Belichick coaching tree, kind of a lot of those guys trickle down, and most of the time they don't pan out that well. Granted, Mike Vrabel is finally having a decent season. or He's been a little consistent, but like another good season. Uh, Sean McDermott in Buffalo, you know, another Belichick guy I believe is playing pretty well too. But the point being, though, is that, man, it's like, I wanted to think there's some gamesmanship going on. It's kind of what happens in this level of competition, right? I mean, you have two very good teams going at it. We'll likely make a fairly deep run in the playoffs, regardless of what happens for the second half so far. And you see that, and it's like, man, like these guys are ready to go out there. So I, I think if I had to summarize it totally, I would say gamesmanship, no doubt. Yeah, man, it, it's going to be really crazy. And I was trying to think too, you know, like you said, uh, mentor and uh, trainee whatever the, uh, the the word student um it's not like Kyle Shanahan has gone against a Robert Sala and even if so he was on the other side of the ball he's not necessarily like Robert Sala learned a lot from Kyle Shanahan as far as like how to run an offense or anything like that um it's going to be a crazy battle and uh Jesus M said Dolphins are for real can't rely on Dolphins to can't can't rely on Dolphins to hold Dolphins below 20 points I think he meant to say can we rely on the defense to hold the Dolphins below 20 points they have put up crazy points, Anthony, but they've also kind of allowed a good amount, and that's the Dolphins that I'm talking about. What do you think the 49ers defense is going to be capable of come tomorrow, you know, 1 o'clock? Because the Dolphins have been putting up, you know, 30, 35, 28, like crazy points over the past month or so. 
Yeah, so I saw that posted on Twitter, and I was like, oh, man, the Dolphins have been playing pretty well just in general. Um, I'd like to talk about their uh, their last few matchups, though, just to kind of throw into comparison. We understand they have a high-octane offense. I don't want to downplay it, first and foremost. Tyree Kill and Jalen Waldo, you've got to give them respect. They are so good. They're so exciting. And then Mike McDaniel is giving Tua so many opportunities to make wide-ass open throws, and he's hitting them. So you can't really ask for more than that in terms of executing in the offense. But I will say this. They just beat that crap out of a Texans team that's terrible. 30 in the first half, including a uh, fumble six, I believe. So, you know, in the 20s, still respectful. Texans suck. Uh, Cleveland, they put up 39 on. We've seen Cleveland be very inept on offense and just in general because of Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Prior to that, they barely beat the Bears, who put up 30 on them. You brought up the Dolphins' defense also. It seems like they uh, have quite a few, I guess, chinks in the armor, you could say. Then prior to that, they barely beat the Lions as well. Prior to that, they barely beat the Steelers. Then they lost to the Vikings. So I don't like to put past past information in the present history because every week is a new week in football. But at the least, you can tell that the Dolphins have been really good on beating competition that they're supposed to. And if they're doing that against that level of uh, teams, I suppose, then I was a long time to see. Um, You see that kind of level of play. and You're like, okay, it's respectful, you know. But yeah, see, yeah, this was it. This was it. Um, Detroit, Chicago, Cleveland, Houston, all bad, all really bad. And again, you can't knock the talent to begin with because Tua and Waddle are really good. Tua is playing like a top half quarterback, also really good. They have other playmakers on offense like Trent Sherfield, River Craycraft, uh, Mike Isicki, Darren Smythe, you know, so other great role-playing guys also. But then you see this kind of information where I think, if anything, more than PFF, more than ESPN's information, I think DVOA is one of the best indicators if you guys want to kind of predict or bet into certain outcomes or things like that, sponsored by my bookie. Um, if you want to just make those kind of implications for yourself. So, yeah, the Dolphins have beat the crap out of bad teams, as they should. But right now, they're going up against a 49ers defense that is an absolute freight train. And we saw Tua get crushed last week by the Texans, who have who have a not-so-good defensive line also. So it's a big story through and through. Um, I think to the comment a while ago about 20 points, you know, this is one of those games where the Dolphins might just happen to put up 20, 24. I don't want to downplay it regardless because they have that potential. But a lot of things change the moment you face a really good defense, a a really good defense. And I think that's what we're going to see. I agree. Um, A lot of people were saying like, oh, my God, you know, they blew out the Browns by like, you know, 20 points, whatever the hell they blew up, 22. It's like I don't take anything away from that because a good team does win the games they're supposed to win. But at the same time, it's like. They haven't really gone against top tier talent. And hey, to be completely fair, you could say the same about the 49ers. I said it on the recap show against the Saints. Like their one true test this year was the Chiefs. And we all know how that went. Like it didn't go well for the 49ers either. So yes, their defense. And that's the only thing that kind of makes me take a little pause when I'm talking about how great this defense is, is when they did get some real tests, a real test, I should say, they didn't hold up as well. And I know we could talk about injuries. We could talk about all that stuff, but that's just how the cookie crumbles. Um, speaking of injuries, we can get into the, the injury report. It looks like Eric Arms is going to play. Anthony, what do you, what do you, what do you think of that? You think he's going to be out there? Yeah, I think he's going to play um, with foot injuries. I mean, obviously I'm not the doctor Matt is, but I just feel like with foot injuries, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on some kind of snap count because he hasn't played in so long. And that's the thing is that the interior defensive line still hasn't been terrible. I mean, Gibbons has just been absolutely eating. And then they've had a great rotation, including Ridgeway as well, who's also been eating. So that IDL is looking really good. Um, but with Armstead coming back, man, if he even looks like half the person he did last season when he was playing against the run, for example, oh, man. I mean, the Dolphins are already kind of 50-50 with running the ball to begin with. I don't think they're that good, personally. They added... My hero, Jeff Wilson. It's okay. I'll be rooting for him on the side. For those of you that don't know, I love Jeff Wilson. Um, but he he really hasn't been running that well, truly. Everhe Moster has been banged up. It sounds like he's going to be back. But, I mean, we'll see how long that really lasts for because we know how his injury history can go also. So, with Armstead being back regardless, I think this will truly be a really big test for the secondary. Zach, I like your thoughts on that also because we've seen the Niners secondary. It's been good. 
they, they've been serviceable. Charverius Ward is having another great year, but then opposite him, whether it's Lenore, if Ambry's getting snaps, or Jimmy Ward in the slot, God forbid, you know, it's been kind of uh, kind of a toss-up, I say. So what do you think? Do you think the secondary is kind of the biggest, uh, I guess it would be the biggest outlier? 100%. And it, it makes me a little nervous, I'm not going to lie, because that's where the Dolphins' true strength on offense is. It is that passing game. Um, I, I should have pulled up the tweet, but there was a tweet talking about Tua on like third down, Tua when there's seven minutes left in the game and it's within seven points. Tua, you know, on passes 10 yards down the field, he like leads the NFL in completion percentage. I forget. It's like sub 70%, but it's really high on passes 10 yards down the field. And that's because receivers like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle make his job so much easier. I mean, Tyreek Hill, arguably the fastest player in the league. It's so hard to cover that guy. And it's like speed is kind of the one thing the 49ers defensive backs struggle with. We don't have that speedster in our secondary. So I'm a little concerned. And even if Charvarius decides to shadow uh, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle is 100% more than capable to take a top off a defense, do some damage on his own. I believe they're both top five in receiving yards this year. So that's my biggest concern is can the 49ers secondary hold up against arguably the best receiving core, at least for sure the best receiving duo in the NFL when Tua is playing as well as he's been playing over the past five game winning streak that they're on. Um, Do you think they'll fare okay? The secondary, how do you think the 49ers can they, let me ask you this actually, it's a better question. Can the 49ers win this game while still allowing Tua, or excuse me, Tyreek and Jalen Waddle to go off? Before I answer that, what's going off to you? Like, if one or both of them get 100 yards? or Say like, Tyreek, 115 with a touchdown. Jalen Waddle, you know, 70 yards and a touchdown. Both having five to seven catches, close to 100 yards, and possibly even both a touchdown. Is that the recipe for a 49ers can still overcome and win? Or is that looking like a Dolphins dub to you? You know, when you put it that way, it gives me a little bit of confidence in the Niners defense because I feel like if the Dolphins can't really run the ball well and we're expecting Tua to pass, obviously, to his weapons, we can expect their passing game passing game to get at least 14 to 17 points, including putting them in field goal range. And then from there, if the Niners can shut down the run, then I think it's kind of, kind, kind of a little more viable for San Francisco as a whole. But, man, it's... You know, it kind of begs and hopes the question if the Niners can limit their own turnovers as well. I think it works in their favor if the Niners can force Tua to pass more. Because like I said earlier, the Texans sacked the shit out of him last week. And and I didn't expect that, actually. I thought the Dolphins already had a decent offensive line. But then we'll talk more about the injuries, too. We see Taron Armstead is doubtful. Austin Jackson is confirmed out. They're starting left and right tackles. There was a thread on there that was really funny that was talking about Brandon Shell, the backup tackle, and Dolphins fans were not having it with him at all. So, yeah, I, I think they can get away with a good game between Tyreek and Waddle. I think it's more because you talked about the secondaries too and the Niners kind of succumb to speed, which I 100% agree with. So now we're talking about a rotation with Talanoa Hufunga, who doesn't really play as much open range as Tashawn Gibson. Can Deshaun Gibson clean up and keep up with those guys? That's going to be the thing. Because if we see a lot of short and intermediate passes to Tyreek and Waddle, well, more or less your only hope is either Hufunga, who is pretty 50-50 with tackling still, I think. We see him lay big hits, but we also see him miss quite a bit too. And then that kind of leaves Deshaun Gibson. What does he have in the tank to really clean up and be able to be responsible for that speed over the top? So that's kind of one of the biggest players, I think, in our secondary, if I were to highlight anyone in whole. But I think the Niners can get away with a little bit of a good game between both of them. But if we're talking like Ty Hill, 150, two tuds, and then Waddle throws in another like seven for 70 and a touchdown also, then you're talking 21 points off that alone. And a Niners team with Debo, who's questionable, and we already see him in and out. Trent Williams, who's now questionable, also in and out. CMC with knee irritation, but it sounds like he'll play. It it gets a little scary. you know. <laughs> it gets a little bit scary, but... Cautious optimism. Cautious optimism. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the 49ers would be able to withstand, and I'll pull up the tweet. Um, interesting. Matt, Matt just texted saying uh, Mitchell to injured reserved. I don't know if that's been reported yet. We're doing it live here. If so, that is very unfortunate. But the timetable was around the beginning of the year. Yep. Adam Shepard just tweeted the 49ers have officially placed Elijah Mitchell on the injured reserve list. 
it's very unfortunate, um, but we'll get into that a little later. Talk about how the 49ers can withstand that. Um, this tweet, NFL for CBS, to a tag, tag of Iloa, like I talked about earlier, pass rating first. This entire NFL, pass rating on third down first, pass rating in fourth quarter first, pass rating in red zone first, pass rating under pressure first, and the pass rating with game within seven points first. Like the guy's just playing unbelievably well. What Mike McDaniel has done for Tua is, you know, it goes without saying. The the proof is right there in the pudding. So I think the 49ers, to answer my own question, I think they could. I think they could overcome Tyreek and Jalen both going off only if they're able to keep them out of the end zone because we saw just like uh DeAndre Hopkins he had over 100 yards freaking what was it Greg Dortch he was torching the 49ers secondary too but the 49ers whooped the Cardinals because they're able to keep them out of the end zone ultimately so as long you know between the 20s sure go off but as long as they hold once you get into the red zone force field goals that I think the 49ers can overcome and still win. It's placing a lot of pressure on the defense. So I'm hoping the offense shows up tomorrow because I don't know how many times they can continue to hope for a second half shutout. You know, we're, we've gone four in a row. I don't know if they can keep doing that. Um, let's get into the injury reports and then we'll, we'll move on. Uh, let me share my pulled them up. This is courtesy of 49ers web zone. Uh, so the 49ers, out Elijah Mitchell, obviously he was just placed on injured reserve. Questionable. You have uh, Spencer Burford with an ankle injury, Charles Amenahu with a knee injury, Debo Samuel with a quad injury, and Trent Williams who was suffering back spasms, I believe, yesterday morning in practice. Uh, flip over to the Dolphins. Tackle Austin Jackson is out with an ankle injury. Doubtful. Teron Armstead with a toe and pec injury. Questionable. Bridgewater with a knee injury, and Miles Gaskin with a shoulder and ankle injury. Uh, we talked about Taron Armstead. Is that kind of the biggest here for you, Anthony? What's the biggest question mark for you here? Well, de- definitely Taron Armstead. Um, I think Austin Jackson, too, the right tackle, also has been having a pretty decent season in terms of right tackles. Uh, I mean, right tackle play in football is not that good. I feel like we noticed. I mean, it's Lane Johnson in Philly and then kind of just, you know, straight nose dive so austin jackson i guess you could say is every other league average tackle for now I, he still has potential but anyways to the story yeah darren arms is a big one it was funny to see uh you know talk about the dolphins <laughs> and raheem moster rushing niners back from you know from injuries including himself and then darren arms said yeah he's gonna play through a you know toe now a toe and a peck injury is ridiculous but um in any event, though, yeah, Taron Armstead, man. I mean, the, the big story, too, is like like you said, first and foremost, can the Niners secondary just keep up with the Dolphins receivers? R- really. It's really the receivers versus the secondary. I'm not so worried about the tight ends. The Niners, the past five years since Shanahan stepped in even, have been really good against tight ends, period. Uh, minus Kelsey, but just in general. We, we understand that. Um, wide receivers is the 50-50, right? So I think that's really just the big toss-up as a whole. And then we're talking about the second most important factor, which will be debatable, is pass rush. The Niners pass rush, I feel like the past few weeks has been kind of, you know, it feels like just watching that we haven't seen as much pressure as we feel like they could put out. And, I mean, it's really just been Nick Bosa, Charles Omenahu, who's been really good this season in a rotational role. Drake Jackson definitely is going to need to get more snaps also. So it's going to be a big testament to the Niners' defensive line. And can they just get pressure? We already know the front seven as a whole plays the run very well. The linebackers are so disciplined. The Niners' defensive line as a whole can just bully offensive linemen when it comes to run sets. But it's the pass sets that really matters. And then we see this kind of formula against the Niners well, where, well, if the pass rush is in home quick, we're gonna see a lot of fast passes from Tua, and then you gotta, you just gotta hope that Tua makes a mistake, or he just makes a crappy throw, or if the Niners can just catch up to Ty Hill and waddle fast enough before they can make a play. Because it feels like the moment we see Ty Hill touch the ball, even five yards behind the line of scrimmage, he's already fifty yards upfield. So yeah, I think it's a huge break that the Niners are going up against the Dolphins team with no starting tackles essentially. But can that pass rush hit home? I, I definitely think that's gonna be the biggest X factor by far and losing Taron Armstead sucks for them. He's a very good tackle, but Hey, it happens. You know, I think that works in the Niners favor. No doubt. 100%. Um, Jared Bailey from Twitter, uh, great follow, by the way, he was talking about 
just the 49ers, or excuse me, the Dolphins defense and kind of how they rank up, which is surprisingly better than I thought, to be honest. Uh, he tweeted the Dolphins defense ranked 12th in rush DVOA and they rank fifth in adjusted line yards. Miami is also second in the league in second level yards. This is a good Dolphins front seven in terms of stopping the run. We'll see how the 49ers can counter all stats per football outsiders. Um, the, obviously, we're, we're you know reporting here, Elijah Mitchell is out. To, he's going to be out regardless. Now he's on IR. Jordan Mason looked promising towards the end of the game. I know was, you can call it garbage time, whatever you want. He looked good, and he always has kind of looked good. He just never had the opportunity. He's going to be paired with a Christian McCaffrey who has an irritable knee, whatever that means. What do you think the 49ers running game is going to look like Sunday? And, you know, it's – it's obviously TDP has to be active, right? I mean, there's no way – Tyrion Davis Price is on the inactive roster. I, I can't see that. I, I can't see that. Um, the Niners could elevate Tevin Coleman, but I feel like they would have had to do that by now. So we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow Coleman does get the call. But, I mean, man, it's – it's. I was thinking about this today and yesterday. I think it's going to be like a Jimmy Garoppolo 30-plus pass kind of game, which is really scary. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has gone four straight games without a pick. That's like league altering world fire setting for him because he hasn't even gone three until last week. So, so you're asking Jimmy to throw uh, 30 plus passes. It's going to be a little scary. I don't have too much confidence in the run game personally. I think all season prior to Elijah Mitchell getting hurt twice, we've seen the 49ers run game just wasn't that powerful to begin with. Jeff Wilson had his nice little stretch when he was here, but even then it didn't feel like there was really like big explosive plays, which arguably we still haven't seen too much of this season from the 49ers. So the lack of a run game is going to hurt. Can Shanahan make up for that? Of course. But now you got to ask for Jimmy Garoppolo to make a play and he's been doing that all season, but it's still to a point where can he do it? You know what I mean? Because of what we've seen for his whole time here. So it's, it's going to be tough. I really don't have a lot of confidence in the Niners run game. Unfortunately, do I think it's going to be a big X factor? Maybe I like your thoughts on that also because the Niners just haven't run the ball that well the past few weeks to begin with. So I don't think it's too big of a deal because the Niners have been able to work around it. But when you're asking for something to really change and really change consistently, and now you're placing even more pressure on Jimmy G with a starting left tackle who's banged up and your starting wide receiver who's also banged up and your starting running back who's also banged up, you know, it gets kind of, it gets kind of murky. So I, I like your thoughts on that also. If you think, uh, like, like, how important do you think the run game is for this game specifically? I think it's very important um, because the Dolphins can be a very explosive team. And if they're putting up points quickly, every possession they have, I think the 49ers on the flip side need to have these long, sustained drives to where they can chew some of the clock and get points at the same time. Um, and if the running game isn't working, that's going to be very hard for that to happen. We saw last week against the Saints, the 49ers running backs kind of looked a little iffy. You know, like they weren't really able to get much going. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey had that injury. Um, Elijah Mitchell had that injury. But Jimmy Garoppolo, there's one of the few times where he threw over 30 times, over 35 times, and the 49ers won. Um, so if he can duplicate that success, I think that would be huge. But the running game answer your question is going to be huge. Um, it's going to be very pivotal for the 49ers in order to have success. And I'm not sold. I don't know. I, 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 that's Kyle Shanahan's bread and butter, but it's looked weak. And don't get me wrong. The Saints are a more than capable f defensive front seven. They're a very talented team. But I would have liked to see a little more from the 49ers rushing attack. I don't remember what they finished with, um, but it wasn't much. And they leaned on Jimmy Garoppolo heavily to win this game. And that's something I'm never comfortable with. As regardless of how good he's played over the past four games, I'm never comfortable leaning on Jimmy, unfortunately. Um, how concerned are you with Christian McCaffrey and that knee irritation with air quotes? I'm saying that. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire 
faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. So before that, the Niners only ran 96 yards. Uh, I guess if you take away Jimmy's four carries for four yards, it was 25 for 92. So the Niners averaged about three and a half. Ugh. <laughs> you know, that's that's really bad. That's really bad. So now you're talking about a banged up CMC. You know, I mean, we saw his potential when he had that big blow up game with the passing, touching, and receiving touch, or the rushing and receiving touchdown, too. And we kind of haven't seen too much of that since. You know, I think Kyle is still finding ways to get CMC kind of more involved in the offense. But now you're talking about a game where they really need CMC to step up because now you're basically asking your running back version of Debo Samuel to shoulder the load. And we've seen a really inconsistent George Kittle in the passing game this year. Uh, even run blocking and pass blocking as well. Kittle's been kind of 50-50. I think last week or the week before, he got called for a couple of holdings. So yeah. it happens, don't get me wrong. But you're asking for CMC and a really big playmaker in the offense to, one, to stay healthy, and two, be able to execute. It's a little concerning with knee irritation, man, because that stuff flares up. You know, I mean, CMC could be fine and look great for five plays, and then the sixth play, it's, oh, the knee's acting up again questionable second quarter comes up and then he's out for the game so yeah i I, i'm personally concerned because the last few weeks we've seen the niners finally had good injury luck right prior to the saints game they had great luck and then the saints game happens and then now trent well during practice but debo gets banged up cmc gets banged up and now you're asking a lot from other offensive playmakers who should be executing iuk has killed been 50 50 with other guys being banged up and CMC being the biggest factor because he's a running back. Oh man. I think on like a level, I'm at like a seven out of 10 in terms of concern, just being real. You know, I mean, it's tough to lose a player like that. It really is. He's a big, big influence for how good the offense can run. Yeah, I agree. Um, And when we saw CMC get injured, by the way, shout out to warriors world. I got this awesome CMC hoodie from them came in. Um, we saw him get injured, and he did not look comfortable after that injury. He was kind of iffy on, you know, can he plant it? I think maybe he wasn't sure about the severity of the injury. Clearly, he felt good enough to come back, but he looks different. Um, we're, I'm hoping we don't get that version of him. Hopefully, we get a comfortable, uh, fluid, flexible CMC tomorrow versus the Dolphins. Let's talk about this running back drama. I got to bring it up. Uh, hung fat. I know somebody else asked earlier about it. Uh, clearly it's been a talk and if I'm the 49ers, this is locker, you know, poster board material or whatever. Uh, this was a report from Ty Dunn and I'm curious what your thoughts on it. I'm trying to pull it up, but in the meantime, what did you, what was your overall take on Raheem Moster basically implying that the 49ers rush players back from injury, use it against them if they want to sit out, you know, when, and when it's time for the next contract negotiation, they use that against the player. What was your take on it? Two parts of it. One, with uh, the contract thing. I mean, business is business, man. The reality of it is that teams who are operating multi-million dollar industry or multi-billion dollar industries like the Niners are still going to find ways to penny pinch. That It's just how shit goes. Like that. That's just the truth. I don't like it. No one likes it. But that's just how it goes. So, if him, for example, was coming off his injury and the Niners are trying to save money by saying, well, you do got knee injury issues. That's just how businesses operate. That's just a reality. It's fucked up. I don't like it. I'm not trying to condone it, but it just, it just happens. You know, I mean, if I get a concussion during work, 
and they're trying to replace me and then negotiate my salary lower because I keep getting hurt. Well, it happens, you know, <laughs> but the rushing back, the injuries part thing, man. I mean, that's another thing personally that I've been thinking about quite a bit because it's just, we know the Niners is intensity during their practices. They practice very hard. I won't be surprised if there's more guys on the team who just have a lot of nicks and knacks, even more so than any other team would. Um, we heard about this years ago with the uh, um, the Steelers is Chase Claypool's ex teammate or whatever who was on the P squad for the Niners was talking about how they just played super hard and then they were trying to get guys through injuries. Which you know back then, and then I mean back then like nineties, eighties, seventies. I'm sure the two thousands. That was I'm sure that was so normal. You know I mean if a guy broke his knee or like Ronnie Lott for example cut part of his finger off to continue playing in the game you know it's like you kind of just have that drive and will we go and do it right and i'm sure the team probably said okay if you want to cut your pinky off be my guest you know because they wanted to win and and you're talking about a player like raheem mostert who is super impactful when he's on the field well you want him back so you can play that's just how it is and we see shanahan operates with a very old school mindset in my opinion it's just how he's grown up, how he was raised around the game. He's around a lot of old school coaches in the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, including his dad. So, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if the Niners do try to rush guys back from injuries. But, again, it happens, though, you know? I mean, yeah. it, I think it's normal. So, I think he was kind of up in his feelings a bit, personally. And 100%. You know, it's like, look, I get the, I get you care about your body. Don't get me wrong. And if a team is going to use that against you, then business, you know, shit happens. Yeah. But my, go, go ahead. ahead. Go. I was just going to say my whole take on this is no shit. They want you to play this the minute you're available to play. Like clearly <laughs> they think you're an asset. Clearly they think exactly. that you're yeah. a help to the team. So as soon as you're able to do that, they want you to do that. And call me crazy, but I think that professional doctors and surgeons that are employed by the teams have a better grasp on when a player should be able to play than somebody maybe that doesn't know about, you know, the medical ins and outs of an injury. Don't get me wrong. I 100% understand. It's all up to how the player feels. Everybody's different. But if a doctor is comfortable enough, you know, putting somebody clearing somebody with their name on the line, then I think that that should be good enough. And I just want to read this, this quote from Tyden's piece. He said, teams putting pressure on players to set their long-term health aside and hurry back is more common than we realize. Quote, it isn't right, Mostert says, and it's up to the players to step up and say, this isn't right. I don't think this is the best of my interest. Sometimes you don't get that with players, but for me, that was my case. I knew exactly what I wanted. I knew exactly how I'd handle the situation. I knew exactly, coming off of rehab, what I needed to do in order to get back on the field. After so many nicks through a turbulent career, Mostert wanted to be as healthy as he possibly could. Knee injuries can render running backs sad, slow reincarnations of what they once were. You're often deemed damaged goods, much less excuse me, replaceable, sent to the goodwill bin in flavor, favor of somebody younger, healthier, with less mileage. Mostert weighed all the pros and cons when he decided to sit out the season. He knew how much he was risking. The decision absolutely pissed the 49ers off, but he also knew how hard he would work. When free agency hit, he believed the 49ers used the decision against him Quote, yes, they did, Mostert says. They definitely did. I moved on from the situation. I have the opportunity to see them. I think what's missing in all of this, Anthony, is that he just held up the team for more money. Like he had his breakout year when the 49ers went to Super Bowl in 2019, and I'm not taking anything away from him. Get your money. I hope every player gets every penny that they've earned. But you had a solid six-game stretch towards the end of the year going into the Super Bowl. Very, very good. Not solid. Very good. My apologies. Very good. But prior to that, you were a journeyman player largely getting by on special teams duties. And it wasn't until somebody like Kyle Shanahan saw you and maybe Mike McDaniel too, I'll give him credit, and said, this is a guy that fits our system perfectly. We're going to get the most out of our offense with him in the backfield. And he had the great stretch. And then immediately, what did he do? Turn around and say, I want more money. I want more money or I'm not playing. You know, basically the reports are coming out. I'm paraphrasing totally. But doesn't that kind of, is that just me that it rubs the wrong way? And now to turn around and say, they use the situation against me. You used you having a good 
end of the year in 2019 against the 49ers to get more money, which, hey, rightfully so, but then don't turn around and blame the other side for doing the same thing. That's my take. At the end of the day, you know, I know he probably wanted to be in San Francisco and wanted to be in that situation. He wanted. He didn't have to. (laughs) He may have wanted. But if he really found that as that much of an issue, man, and you really think it's that bad, like how it's coming off in this, go to a different team where you feel like they're going to treat you better. Yeah. You know, like you make, I like you say, he had a great season. And I'm sure the Niners obviously wanted him back. But if you're not liking the contract negotiations, then, you know, it's like, where where's your own personal line? I mean, obviously, he's putting his body on the line as it is, right? But if you're getting these feelings that they're rushing you back and not putting your body first, and that is as big of an issue that he's making it in this, he should have never came back to begin with if it really felt that way, you know? So, yeah, I mean, hey, when you're talking money, man, he wanted to get his money, but he really turned his back on the Niners and then wanted to, you know, go about it this way when the Niners essentially gave him probably what was the best bag possible. But to go about it that way, man, I was not a fan. Not a fan of that one bit. 100% agree. Um, And then Jeff Wilson, also, who was just traded a few weeks ago after the 49ers acquired Christian McCaffrey, also shared his thoughts with Tyler Dunn. And uh, this is for more of the article. Nonetheless, Shanahan refused to delete the running back Tinder app on his phone and kept swiping right. Quote, they had to make a business decision, Wilson says, and I had to make a business decision. Yeah, there's love and relationships around here, but at the end of the day, it comes down to business. People are going to do what they've got to do. That's what it was with both parties. No hard feelings. Could have gone the other way a year or two ago. I probably wouldn't have said anything. I just kept my mouth shut and took it, just like they spoke out about that. I can do the same. Even a blind man can see what we're doing. They're still a great team. I'm not taking anything away from the 49ers. They're one of the best teams in the league. I've been around them. I practice with the players, but at the end of the day, you've got to do what's best for you. I've got a family to feed. I'm the first person to make it in my family, so I have to do what's best for me. While I 100% agree with Jeff Wilson going to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch after they acquired Christian McCaffrey and saying, hey, it looked like I was in line to have this big year and earn a contract off of it. I was leading the team in rushing. Now you just got you know, a top five running back in the NFL. Clearly my stats are going to be diminished. Trade me somewhere where I can shine and get that money. And the 49ers said, sure. They could have easily have said, no, we have an injury. I don't want to say injury prone, but a running back who's dealt with a good amount of injuries in his short time here in Elijah Mitchell, we're going to need you. And we're going to keep you against your wishes. They gave in and they abided by his wishes. They sent him to Miami, a good system where he's thriving. I shouldn't say thriving. He did well immediately. He fits in perfectly. And I just love how it's like it's a business decision, yet you are taking it personally. Like, let's be honest, this does irk you the wrong way. What's your take on Jeff Wilson? Your God. He kind of been saying the points I've been making throughout this. It's like it's business decisions, you know? I mean, you cleared it up himself to, yourself, too. It's like the guy wanted to get his money, you know, and he was in line to make some decent money in terms of a running back. But, you know, now he's in this position in Miami where he gets his chance. And both sides made out. I mean, the Niners turned an undrafted free agent who also had health issues, was very inconsistent in terms of one play where he would have great stretches and then not so good stretches. And then two was pretty much a backup for a fifth round pick. Like, that's really impressive. Even if the Dolphins pick is going to be high still, I mean, hey, the Niners need all the picks they can get right now. So I don't have as much of an issue with what Jeff Wilson is saying so much as like how Mostert was coming off of it. But yeah, you know, it's just like, it, it, I want to say part of it is gamesmanship because like it seems like they're finding these reasons to go out there and like, this is why I'm going to go and kick the shit out of the Niners. This is why I'm going to play hard. These are my reasons. Okay, it is gamesmanship, but you know, it's just, it, it just blows my mind that this kind of stuff is coming out now, of course, when those players leave the team, but when it comes to the Niners, man, it's just like that FO keeps everything so lock and key. You know, you don't hear really former players leaving the organization talk like this, you know? So both guys, regardless, I think are really pressed about something, but I mean, Hey, you said it earlier in the show, man, it's both in board material for these guys, especially. Especially the quote that's on this tweet here, which Raheem Mostert came out and kind of 
denied that and said his words were taken out of context. We have way better talent here. It's going to get spooky. We have a quarterback who can actually sling it. Now, he went on KNBR and said that he was talking about the talent in Miami compared to years past, which he wasn't a part of, so I don't know why he would feel the need to comment on that. Um, and that nothing against Jimmy, he's family with Jimmy, you know, his wife and Jimmy's brother-in-law's wife are best, our brothers are best friends and, you know, yada, yada, yada. They went to their weddings. What do you take from this? This is clearly a shot at Jimmy Garoppolo. That's how I took it. Yeah, that's the whole thing. It's like it's gamesmanship, man. These guys, of course, these guys to their new teams are going to say, oh, yeah, you know, I love this situation. But, I mean, it happens, you know. It's just like you don't hear the Niners talking like this at all, really. I mean, when CMC came, because CMC played against the Panthers, right? Like, mm-hmm. CMC didn't talk about the Panthers like that, you know? If anything, I think he talked about all the good times he had with them. So, it's this comes out, and it's like, well... I mean, if the Niners or if the Dolphins are going to find any reason to motivate themselves to beat the Niners or try and make it a game in itself, then sure, say shit like that. I'm sure I'm, I mean, you know, it's kind of debatable that Tua canceling the ball better than Jimmy. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, when you're playing with Tua or playing with Hill and Waddle, then of course, you know, but it's just, man, it's just, I mean, he tried to backtrack on it. It clearly failed. I mean, a blind man, as Jeff Wilson says, can see that shit. And I think it's pretty freaking clear that Moster was referring to Garoppolo. And then to refer to Dolphins teams in the past, what connection do you have with those guys when you weren't even with the teams, you know? So it's all BS, man. He's just just finding some reasons to be motivated, I think. And again, we still don't know if he's – I mean, he says he's active, but how long he could last for is a real question. Exactly. Yeah. So I have the clip here from CanBR. We can play it here. Get Mostert's own words and him clearing the air. This is courtesy of Papa and Lana CanBR. Your quote was, we have way better talent here. It's going to get spooky. And then later you're, you're talking about Tua. The quote is, we yeah. have a quarterback who can actually sling it. So I know you tried to walk back some of these t- comments. Steve-O shouted you out. On social media, would you like to explain these these quotes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, the initial um, report was specifically talking about Tua and his success. And so when I was being asked those questions, I was looking at it as a, a view of what Tua has done and what Tua has dealt with in the past. In regards to we have more talent here, I was speaking in terms of, you know, we have more talent here right now at this moment than what has been here in the past. And I can see how that can get misconstrued just because, like you said, you can only take certain snippets out of out of a, what one person said and, and alter it in a way that, you know, it just seems like it's not relevant or it's relevant in the fact that I'm on a different team. No, that's, that's not what I meant because I know that – I mean, I'm, come on, I was, I was with the Niners for – several years and I know exactly what the talent is there there's unbelievable talent on both sides of the ball and even on special teams so I wasn't trying to take shots or digs uh, on anyone and then mm-hmm. in regards to you know Tua being accurate I mean that was a statement that was made you know early on um with Tyreek and you know me going through the process I was I've been seeing that and that's why I said he he actually sling it you know I don't know why people are doubting him and his ability not the fact that, you know, Jimmy G can't sling the rock or anything like that. I would never, ever in, in a million years talk down on a player, specifically a guy like Jimmy, just because we've grown together, you know, all those years when I was there. My family, his family, you know, it is his family. His family is like my family. Um, I've been to his brother's wedding. His sister-in-law and my, my wife, Devin, are like the best of friends. And my wife can't wait to be in San Francisco to meet up with her this weekend. So, you know, all those things, man, it's just people just don't understand the, the I understand the severity of the, the message, but it wasn't directed towards any one specific person or any group of people. It was specifically on the past and the present of what Tua's success and his fa- failures have had, you know, prior to us being together. What's your take? Well, I'm trying to BS and you, you just have this certain tone when you're trying to fill in words, yeah. you know, where you're trying to just find anything you could say on the moment. And it's those little like pauses and jitters and the kind of little, 
like in between the statement that you're trying to run on like the second half of that when he was talking about family like yeah i I mean i'm sure he wasn't wrong about that i'm sure that is how he feels but man (laughs) that first half though it's like uh yeah i mean yeah no this is what i meant but i mean you know it's like it's like mm -mm. nah i mean you know of course for him if i was in his shoes i wouldn't want to go out and publicly say how i feel obviously it's just not the thing to do but i mean man you kind of dug yourself this far into this hole just say it with your chest you know <laughs> just get on if you think Tua is better at slinging the ball than jimmy then say that it's how you want to believe it you know i if he if he came out and said that everyone would be like oh shit you know because jimmy's having a good year but it's debatable because Tua also has been playing really well too so if he would have just said that, like, yeah, Tua's been playing really well, or if he said it in that context out loud, then it wouldn't, wouldn't like this wouldn't be an issue, you know. He could have just said, oh, Tua, Tua's been playing as good or better than Jimmy, or Tua does these things that really elevates the offense and put it in that manner, and it would have been like, yeah, this works. But yeah, no, yeah. it's just you say it in a behind, you know, behind closed curtains interview when it comes out like this and now you're just digging yourself deeper and deeper trying to get out of it. And it's just, it it, look, it doesn't look good, man. It, it really doesn't, but at least it's shut. Hopefully, you know, if this is bulletin board material for the Niners and that's what they need, but man, Mostert, man, I just had to keep your mouth quiet. You know, just had to say that. That's my, all. my take on this is even if you do know, or excuse me, even if your words were taken out of context and that quite wasn't what you meant, you should be, he's been in the league long enough to know how this can happen when speaking to reporters from the looks of it. I don't have a subscription to go long TD uh, Tyler Dunn's, you know, Substack or, or website, whatever it is. But from the looks of it, this is a pretty in-depth piece. This is a pretty in-depth sit down and discussion where however they talked and he could have made it clear. You know, this is nothing against, you know, my previous team or previous quarterback. And I just want to talk about this because, um, let me see, Emiliano said, Bourne, Tart, Mostert, Wilson, etc. have all said something untoward in varying degrees about the Niners after they left. Something might be up with the Niners if this many people have something to say. People are having selective memory about things apparently. All I'm going to say is all of those players had their best times and maybe the book's still out on Mostert and Wilson with the 49ers and then left and did nothing um you know Kendrick Bourne was essentially signed to be like a wide receiver two borderline one in New England and that didn't really pan out all due and respect benched, and Bourne gets benched he got he's benched like receiver four and five now Tart You're went lucky. to Philly got cut didn't make the final roster as an undrafted or is a free agent right now right and Mostert and Wilson are both you know, on Miami's team and playing well. Sure, I'm not going to take anything against them, but they're both hurt in varying ways. It is possible that the 49ers, maybe they're a little tough negotiating contracts. Maybe they're unfair. Maybe they do use these injuries against these players. But in Mostert's case, I would just like to remind people how little he played after holding up the team for more money. Like he had the 2019 season, held up the team for more money. I believe he only played a few games in 2020. And then last year he got injured in game one, game one of the year, and then could have rehabbed and made it back for the year, but decided to have, if I remember correctly, a full ACL surgery type clean out and miss the entire season. So after the Super Bowl, I think he played roughly six to eight games in the following two years. And I would imagine the 49ers would like to say, would probably have said, we want to see you play at that level consistently before we can give you the contract you're asking for. And I don't even remember what he got from Miami. It wasn't a crazy amount. But, what I mean, we don't have to talk about any more about this. It's kind of a little longer than I expected. Final thoughts on this, Anthony. Are the 49ers in the wrong here? No, because at the end of the day, it's business. You know, I mean, what can you do? I mean, everyone can complain about morals and ethics and how the Niners operate and so be it this shit was happening in the 70s and 80s and 90s and 60s and 50s I can guarantee you that for football so teams are going to do what's in their best interest that's the bottom line I think no one player is bigger than the team it's a whole collective including front offices even if they don't play and if they're looking out for their 53-man roster and trying to see what the best way is to construct it mind you the Niners for as long as they've been healthy when they're healthy, are constructing playoff rosters. That's just reality. 
And if Mostert wasn't in their picture or if he was and it wasn't at the contract that they wanted, then see ya. That's just business. It happens. I'm sorry. There's no feeling bad for Mostert. I, I really I don't know why. I really don't. I'm happy for everything he did for the 49ers. But, like, dude, like, you know, it's business. Shit happens. If you get your feelings out of the way and realize this is what the team is doing for their reasons that are outside of yours, I'm sorry. The multi-billion dollar organization is going to trump the two to three million per year player, you know? And that's just how it works. That's my final thoughts. Business is business. I agree. I don't think either should have taken it personally. Um, if you're Jeff Wilson, you can't honestly sit here and tell me that the 49ers shouldn't have acquired Christian McCaffrey because they have, you know, it's like, come on, let's be honest. You know, this is like uh, Nick Mullen, CJ Beathard being upset when the 49ers traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, at the time was the better talent. I don't think this is anything but players taking things personally. Um and yeah, the team has to look out for itself. This is very common knowledge. Let's wrap this show up. We're going about 50 minutes. Overall takes on the 49ers game. Finish the sentence. 49ers will win if. The 49ers will win if Jimmy Garoppolo plays a clean game of football. It's it's got to be interception free, man. It's got to be turnover free. It really does. Because regardless of who the Dolphins have faced against bad defenses, they still have Tua. They still have Hill. They still have Waddle. These guys are really good. The Niners can't slip up. And the Niners, and Jimmy Garoppolo especially, can't afford to give up extra possessions. This is the type of game where it's like the Niners' defense cannot be on the field too long at all. God forbid the secondary gets tired or the pass rush gets tired and you give Tua time. We saw all those fourth-quarter stats, man. That That's no joke regardless of what team they're playing. If you're executing in the fourth quarter, whether you're winning already or it's a close game, you're winning football games and you're playing good football, period. So limit the extra possessions, man. Force turnovers, limit their own turnovers. They win if Jimmy Garoppolo force, uh, plays a clean game of football. That's, yeah. that's my finish that sentence. I like that. And he's on a stretch right now, I believe four games, right? Without a turnover, which is the first time in his career he's gone this long. Isn't that sad though? <laughs> Isn't that so sad? It is sad, and it's almost even sadder. It's almost more sad because he did basically throw a pick six last week. (laughs) (laughs) So we got saved. Um, I think the 49ers win if two things. They, similar to yours, win or at the very least don't lose the turnover battle. And two, the defense holds Miami under 24 points. I think it's possible. I think the 49ers can do it. And I think that will also allow the offense to put up anywhere from, you know, 20, 24 to 27 points, which they should be more than capable of. We've seen them do it against bad teams. They should be able to put up some points in this game. Even, I'm going to say it, even if Christian McCaffrey isn't 100%, even if Debo Samuel isn't 100%, there are plenty of weapons on this 49ers roster that allow them to still put up points. Brandon Ayuk is an amazing talent. George Kittle is, you know, top three, top two tight end in the NFL. Um, Juwan Jennings, third and Juwan is what they're calling him now. Like these are players that the 49ers need to take advantage of if Debo, if CMC are out. Let's get into our offensive, defensive MVP predictions, final score predictions. But before we do, we got to shout out our sponsor, which is my bookie. Let me pull them up here. Um, I'm not logged in on this computer, so we're not going to place any bets right now. But the line is currently at four. Um, what do you think about this line? Four points. Is that is that what it is elsewhere? Yeah, I've been hearing three and a half, four. You give the Niners three, right, because they're the home team. Um, you know, for the Dolphins especially, coming all the way across, you know, the East Coast, because I think – Oh, I got pulled up real quick. I don't remember if their last game was a home game. It might have been a home game. Um, yeah, they just played at home. So you're asking a cross-country tour. I mean, the whole country basically coming to the West Coast. That's not easy. So three and a half to four, I could see that. I, I could definitely see that point spread making sense. Um, it definitely feels like it's going to be that close. <laughs> I, I think it absolutely is going to be that close as it is. 
I agree. Um, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough one. And I just want to say real quick, Big Papa made a very good point. This Miami game is not as important as conference games for the 49ers playoff position. Yes, there are big implications. Yes, there are all these storylines. McDaniel, Shanahan, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson talking shit against the 49ers. You know, there's all these storylines. But at the end of the day, this is an out-of-conference game that really doesn't mean much aside from overall record. When you're going down the tiebreakers, if, you know, you finish with the same record as the Seahawks or whatever, this game isn't going to play much into it. So that's at least some comfort. Um. My bookie guys, you could sign up right now, mybookie.ag, and let me pull it up here. Promo code Hive will get you your first deposit matched 50%. Go take advantage right now, my bookie. We all know sports, we all bet on them. Why not make it a little more fun and enjoyable? I forgot to place my bets Thursday night and I love football, but watching football, knowing that you got a couple lines on it, it makes it so much more fun and interesting. So go take advantage of it. MyBookie.ag, like I said, promo code Hive. Um, and they don't show the props up top until closer to kickoff. But I'm going to show you my bets. I don't know what the odds would be because they're not here yet. But I'm going to get, go – I'm going to parlay a Jawan Jennings touchdown and – a Jordan Mason touchdown. Those are my, that's my bet right there. Anthony, do you have any prepped? I didn't ask you to do any. So if you don't, no problem at all. Um, I am absolutely slamming. I actually have it open right here. I am absolutely slamming the over on Brandon Ayuk receiving yards. He's been playing so well. He's been absolutely playing so well. I, I'm off the top of my head. I do not know what Ayuk's yards are. Oh, you have it right there. If you pull it up. Um, yeah. Brandon, I miss Ayuk, it? I'm, no, 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 I'm saying you were looking for it. Um, Brandon Ayuk, I'm slamming that over. The guy is averaging at least 70 yards per game his last five games alone. The guy is just getting a ton of looks. He's not necessarily a touchdown machine, but he has that potential to score touchdowns, and he's been pretty good in the Niners' red zone lately. It seems like Ayuk has become that red zone guy. So, you know, uh, the Brandon Ayuk props, man, especially the receiving yards, slam them. I'm all in on this. I love that, especially with Debo questionable. Even if he does yeah. play, BA yeah. will likely have a larger role. All right, guys, mybookie.ag, promo code HIVE. Take advantage of that first deposit match 50%. We also have to pick a winner for our Christian McCaffrey jersey giveaway. We'll be doing that soon. Everything's just been crazy on my end, so I apologize for the delay, but I promise this weekend I'll get that out. All right offensive defensive mvp predictions and final score predictions guys if you're watching throw your predictions in the chat if you get it right we'll send you some free merch matt's not here but i'll start off the defensive with him in the spirit nick bosa three sacks and a forced fumble perry what's your defensive mvp prediction i gotta give it charvarius ward man i think it's his time to shine i think this is why the niners went to go get him they saw that 2019 Super Bowl. They saw that 2021 playoff game against the Rams. Said, man, we need a corner. Charvarius Ward's been having an excellent season. He's going to be my defensive MVP. I think I'm going to couple him in for, let's give him, I don't know what corners average. Let's give him like six tackles, right? Let's give him six, six tackles. I'm going to throw in a pick for him too and give him a tackle for loss. I think he needs a pick. It, it's just, I got that feeling. Ward, Ward's been so good. He's so underrated. Give him a pick for me, man. That's my MVP. I love that. And 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 thinking back to that Arizona game, he is a sure tackler. He was up against the line of scrimmage, tackling running backs. Like the dude is a really good tackler. So I love that. Hung Fat says, Aziz with Heem talking shit. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the quote from Aziz Al Shayer saying, I'm not going to hit him any harder than any other running yeah, back. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Love I'm going to go with, I know Matt went with Nick Bosa, but I'm going to go. A little further in on the line, Eric Armstead, even if he is playing a limited amount of snaps, I think he's going to have a big presence. Maybe not necessarily on the stat sheet, but just the presence of Eric Armstead. And the dude's a giant, so it would make sense he has a big presence. But I think he's going to show up in the running game, maybe elevate some of the pressures, allow Nick Bosa to wrap around in the end when he's pressuring from the inside. Eric Armstead... I'm not going to predict stats because I don't know how much he's going to play, but I think just the simple fact of him being there is going to make him the MVP tomorrow. That's right. Armstead. Offensive MVP. Who do you got? Ayuk, man. He, I've been digging in on him all week. I got him in fantasy. I need him to have a good game to be really nice. But no, Ayuk, he's, 
it feels like he's having such a good year, but he's still so underrated. You know, he, it feels like like he's going out there, he's doing his job. It feels like we see all 22 plays come out, especially like from Rich Madrid on Twitter. And whether he's posting about Jimmy mostly, you just watch a play and it's like, oh, Ayuk's coming open down there. Uh, I know the play wasn't even directed to Ayuk, but man, that guy's open over the top. So <laughs> the guy's probably getting so tired of running vertical routes and going, man, I'm not getting the ball. But I got to give it to Ayuk, man. I think this is going to be a huge game for him. I know the Dolphins have been really good against the run. Niners haven't been good with the run. So this is all set up for Jimmy Garoppolo to execute, man. Who's it going to be? Give me Ayuk, dude. I, I got a big game for him. I'm going to give him I'm gonna give him eight catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. 8-1-13-1. All right. I love that. Um, I'm really, really tempted to go with Jordan Mason, but I'm going to go with George Kittle. I think this is a Kittle game. It's got Kittle written all over it. Big matchup. Two good tight ends, Mike Gusecki and George Kittle. I think Kittle is going to go off with, Debo's absence and I'm going to say six catches for 70 yards and a touchdown and his usual you know run block antics that we get from a George Kittle all right final score predictions who do you got 28 to 24 Niners man I think the Niners are gonna give up 20 plus I think that second half streak is gonna come to an end I mean who else against the Dolphins anyways but if they can just lock down the second half defensively offense needs to execute man we saw that stat that was like the Niners have outscored teams 57 to nothing in the second half. Well, I think in his last four or five games, the Niners offense hasn't been that good in the second half like we've seen regardless. No. I think that one outlier is the Arizona Cardinals game. So, you know, if the Niners can score in the second half, man, so be it. But 28 to 24, I think that Jimmy is going to continue to have a great game. I think the Dolphins are going to get theirs. Don't get me wrong. But, man, it's going to come down to turnovers. If the Niners can win that battle or at the least not lose it, and just tie it, I think the Niners have the potential for 28. So, yeah, 28-24 Niners. You got to give me that. Okay. All right. Um, I'm really struggling with this one, but I'm going to go 30-27 to Niners. I think the Niners may be a last-second field goal. I don't know. This is going to be a tough one. It's going to be a close game. I could see it going either way. I'm going to let my bias take over and my fandom take over and pick the 49ers. But that's it, man. That's the show. This is a great show with you, Anthony. I appreciate you coming on. we got to have you on more often. Guys, drop your final score predictions. You can tweet them at us right before kickoff. If you get it right, we'll send you something. Uh, Anthony, any final thoughts? Let the folks know where to find you. Guys, it's good to be back on the show. Zach, you know where it is. Have me on as much as you'd like. Guys, follow me on Twitter, uh, at down there, at It's Anthony Brett. Um, I post a lot about 49ers stuff. Yeah, he's pointing at it right there. I can never get it right, but right there, uh, 49ers stuff, uh, fitness stuff. But I'm always talking Niners, guys. Hit me up, follow, chat it up with me. I love talking about the game in general. And again, Zach, thank you so much for having me on this show. It's always so much fun. We're definitely talking post game, and hopefully, we'll be talking good words on the post game. But yeah, man, thank you so much. It's all, all love as always. Zach, take it away. All right, guys, I appreciate all of you guys tuning in, spending your Saturday afternoon with us. I hope you guys all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hope you're getting ready for Christmas coming up. Hopefully the 49ers give us an early Christmas present tomorrow. By the way, speaking of Christmas presents, my pops totally hooked me up with this Nick Bosa autographed black jersey. I got a, unfortunately for Fred, I only have one of these frames. So I'm going to have to swap it out. Sorry, Fred. You've been in there for over a year. So now it's Bosa's time to shine. Thank you, Pops. I love it. I appreciate it. And everybody in here, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thank you, everybody. Hit like, hit subscribe. It really does show uh, show support. If you're watching after, still leave a comment, even if you're just commenting the comment for the algorithm. We appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of your weekend. We will see you tomorrow after the game. Until then, take care. This is BJ Kissel from KC Sports Network. In case you didn't know, the show you are listening to right now, as well as our shows, are a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. It's something we've actually done locally with our network in Kansas City as well. We're all stronger together. 
Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised more than $10 million to expand their team, podcast network, and business operations. Now, they are raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which will in turn help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be a part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire.